Hey, it's another episode of Playing Dress Up, the podcast where we truly unravel how people get into the con scene and talk about how they continue to navigate it. Now, if you heard the last podcast, which you absolutely should, Tiffany fully teased our next guest without knowing that they would even be on. Because without them, Cost Cafe NYC wouldn't be a reality if they hadn't done the Q Cafe in San Francisco as part of a cosplay duo known as Okashi Cosplay. Hilariously, they cosplayed as Takeda at both cafes and truly owned that role, being the realist and giving structure to the cafe in the midst of the hecticness. They are definitely no stranger to cosplay and conventions, considering that met Reika, one of the most well-known international cosplayers when they attended Yaoi Con in 2014. It's my favorite small borrow with a penchant for gaming, sketching, and more. It's Ko, the second half of Cost Cafe NYC. <laughs> oh my gosh. There's so much to unpack there, man. And Hello. it is all very much you. It is very, very much you. I... I live life in chapters and I've forgotten all of those already. <laughs> Girl, the chapters are wild. And let me tell you, the book is still being written because life does not end whatsoever. Oh, you're right. Oh, my gosh. Whew, thanks for the intro, Joe, as always. Mm-hmm. What a oh, fun time. What a fun deep dive I had just like flipping through the pages of the good old I was about internet. to say, how did, you, how did you find all of that? Girl, the internet is lovely if you make it work for you. Let me tell you. <laughs> oh, my. Um, well, I guess uh, just in the topic of cosplay in general, I actually didn't start cosplaying until like my last year of college really yeah i mean i did like our high school had a like a small convention you know and it's just your high school right and i cosplayed l but that was like (laughs) the extent (laughs) um yeah so the first time was because uh the person that i did the first haikyuu cafe with so we never had any classes together but Mm -hmm. We met through a club on campus since like freshman year and she was cosplaying for years, like since she was tidy and going to cons and all that. And she does artist alleys or whatever. But then we didn't really get into it until senior year of college where like literally we'd go home from class and be like, hey, I have an idea for a shoot. Want to just do it? And she'd be like, yeah, let's go. And she's like a a film and um, art major too. So we would just take pictures of each other on campus or whatever and uh make vines i don't know if you saw any of those no i have but, uh, not but I now have a very... i need to go back and find them <laughs> no it's okay i have a very inappropriate vine that's had like three million views and i'm so sad it's the most freaking popular one ever oh, but no. Now, after this, no, no, now you no, have no, me no. interested. I must know more now. I'm so, I probably have seen it and I just have wiped it from memory. Oh, please, please. please. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to go into detail because it is really inappropriate, but it is the most popular one out of all the wines we made when Vine was still a thing. That's... I'm old. We're old. Girl, we're all old. We share the same birthday. Like, <laughs> Yeah, you're right. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, work. happy belated birthday to your sister. <laughs> oh, same to your sister. Because that is another thing we also share. <laughs> it's so crazy. Oh my gosh. But like, I, I find it funny because I went kind of like on the same journey that you went through where it's like, I... I consider myself like cosplaying since like 2009, like 2010, but like obviously. Oh, that's like, pretty late too. Yeah, so it's like the baby cosplay era. But like, I always find it funny, like, whenever I do have conversations with like people, at least from the West Coast, because it always feels like cosplay on the East Coast is, can sometimes be a later bloomer kind of thing. Whereas on like the West Coast, I feel like that thing happens so early more often over there than it does on the East Coast. I might really? be wrong. I might be wrong entirely, but. I for me from what I've noticed is because what they right. had was like a lot of things ingrained into like certain things for like because like for example when you want to be a weeb in like let's say New York City right where do you go you go to like your baby's places you go to like Kino Kuniya you go to Nintendo NYC right and <laughs> yeah maybe like we'll know about like the book off and like Cafe Zaya and all that fun stuff but there wasn't any place specifically that like catered to like 
just recreational cosplay that was like very much in your face unless you like looked for it that is true then you go to let's say la and they have like this whole entire section in like japantown where like they have like assist wigs there's like everything for like hobbyists it is all in that little like mini plaza and like you can just get everything and anything you want they sell like cosplays like very casually and i feel like that has always been a staple of japantown that's why like kids can get into it so early and accessible because they don't have to necessarily like go out of their way to hunt for it if that makes sense yeah for sure i mean the moment you started talking about like just new york it really clicked because i was like oh if you're into like weeb hobbies in new york everyone's low-key until you like know yeah i don't i don't know why it's like that but it's like oh you like anime oh shit and then you like start slowly getting into it just to gauge how much they actually like it Mm. and that sort of thing but like no one there's no weird beating around the bush i guess on the west coast because it's just like I don't know if it's because there's more Asians there or what, but they're just like, yeah, though we like anime. Because <laughs> <laughs> it very much was like you said, it is fully like beating around the bush. Like, I, because I don't, I think like with New York, it's like this whole concept of like the New York hustle. You have to be doing something like a yeah. mile a minute. And like, yeah. there's this like huge pension to be like, ooh, I'm successful in some way, shape, or form. And then like, but you would always find through like the weed works, you could like mention something like just like very anime. Like, it's like, hey, have you watched like Dragon Ball Z? And I'd be like, oh my God, yeah. And then like you try to branch <laughs> out and test the limits of that other yeah, person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, I right, yeah. let's get to do some deep, deep stuff. You watch like serial experiments, Elaine. And they're like, what the fuck is that? It's like, I'm backing out. I have to leave the conversation. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like maybe with like people, uh, like younger generations, it's not such a huge deal just because it's all over the place. Yeah. And uh, a lot of people like promote it now who are like popular. But I don't know, when, when I was growing up, it wasn't like that for sure. Even in high school, it's like, okay, you have your weed moments at a con yes. and, and on the internet. That's it. Mm-hmm. Straight Even up. though, like, I had a lot of friends that were weaves in real life. I will, like, never forget the first time that, like, I went to my con. Like, first con. Like, I knew about cosplay, like, for years. Like, leading up to my first con. And so, yeah. it only took one pure faded, like, meeting in my, like, l- junior year slash senior year of, like, high school with my friend Rui, who I still am friends with to this day. And, like, we were, like, talking. Like, we got along really well. And they were like, you should come to a convention with me. And I was like... I get to go to the things I have seen on the internet. That's nice. That's oh nice. Gosh. Let's go. Let's go. I want to see the people. I want to see the things. And then, like, from then on out, it was just, like, a black hole spiral. But then you fast forward, like, to, like, now, where it's not so hush-hush, where you have people like Megan D. Stallion being like, yeah, I watch anime. Yeah. yeah that Doro Hey Doro is fire on Netflix. And you're like, Megan. <laughs> Miss Megan, you be knowing about Doro hit Doro? Freaking Michael B. Jordan quoting Naruto or something. Just putting Naruto on full on high fashion merch is what we're talking about. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot. Which I'm, I mean, obviously I'm really happy about, but um, Mm -hmm. it's great. And uh, my first con was, you mentioned it. Yeah, we con. (laughs) I still can't believe it. Yeah, I can't either. I I mean, I like to count my high school convention, but uh, if we're being real, yeah, the first con I ever went to was Yaoi Con, and it was was a time. That, and like, I think the funny thing about that is that that is the biggest departure from like a traditional con. I I found that out afterwards. So it's like, how messed up was your perception of cons going from like, oh, like everything centered around BL to be like, oh, y'all just really just hang out. Y'all just, that's all y'all do? That's not fun. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, no, no. I was, actually, that's, that's the reason I love cons now is yeah. just like to see people. But yeah, it was uh, it's actually really funny because uh, obviously the main reason we wanted to go was because Reiko is going. And at the time, I mean, I still love her, but I really followed her mm-hmm. then. And let me just tell you, my two friends were there first and I had to go right after class. Yeah. So um, I'm about to go in the elevator, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Reiko <just> appears <laughs> and I on dive behind a fucking garbage can man i'm not even joking 
I like, I was so scared. I just like almost screamed and then dove behind a garbage can. God. I'm not proud of it. I could have went in the elevator, but I was freaking out. I yeah, I don't have a lot of fangirl moments in my life, but that was definitely one of them. <laughs> listen, listen, I am fully with you. I've had those like fangirl fanboy moments once in my entire life. I think there was like one. There was like a K-pop concert happening somewhere in like North New Jersey, like right outside like Fort Lee, New Jersey, and this was like in the wave of like Generation Two K-pop. So like I fucking loved like Sondam B. I'm an old school. Bitch. Oh my gosh, Sondam yes. B. That's my girl Saturday night. <laughs> That's the jam. <laughs> oh That's God. the jam. Anyways. Wait, they, they had K-pop concerts here at the time. Yes, I forgot Damn. what year. I'm gonna try and look this up as fast as I can, but. So what happened was it was like this huge concert. There was like a bunch of like um, other artists. There was also like Sistar. Sistar was there performing oh, wow. too. And so I remember it was like the end of the night. This was like also, it wasn't like a huge production. It was like, like a, just like a stage in the middle of like a park. It was a decent size, but it was no like, you know, like Inkigayo like level. And yeah, so yeah. they were like closing down. Everybody's going. And like, you know, we're all like fans are like, oh, my God, it's such a small space. What if we go see them and like all this fun stuff? Right. So yes. everybody's like trying to run, find the celebrities. And I'm like, God damn it, guys, we don't see anybody. And then little do I know, like my friend is freaking out, looking at me I'm like, what the fuck's going on? And then I realize <laughs> I'm slowly turning around. All of Sistar is walking right behind my back. Oh my and so I turn around and I look and like Bora is sta- staring like right in front of me. I scream, lose my shit. Security like figures out that they're right there. And I'm right there. It's like, sir, move, move, move. And I'm just like, they're right there. <laughs> oh my gosh. Me diving was partly panic. Yeah. Oh, but, uh, but yeah, I probably would have screamed right next to uh, Sistar too. <laughs> lost my shit but also the very fun thing is that you realize they are also very short and they are fully in the good old like stripper fantasy heels those things are tall because i was like wait y'all short like that's a that's a large platform on that heel like y'all stand at a nice five too like (laughs) yo i feel you i uh i just started getting into k-pop concerts literally last year Mm -hmm. and uh i did not realize how how tiny even like the, the male members were for a lot of those groups. Oh yes. Oh yeah. yes. They are tiny because I the best scam that I have learned about like the entertainment industry as a whole, peop they they have a way to make people larger than they actually are. And I do not know what it is. Everybody <laughs> across the board, this is an international phenomenon. I forget. In my my whole theory right now, talent comes in small packages. Because <laughs> That is, girl, let me tell you, because I think Beyonce is like 5'3". I might be wrong. I might might not be quoting that, but I'm pretty sure she, no, I lied. She's 5'7". Why did I think she was (laughs) 5'3"? Wait, Shakira? Isn't Shakira the one who's really tiny? It might be. It might be. Yes, Shakira's 5'2". There we go. Shakira is 5'2". There we go. (laughs) And I'm just like, wait, you seem very large, woman. You seem very large. And that's when you learn about the true magic and smoke and mirrors that are angles and like making things work for you. Cause I, I keep thinking these people are my height, like a solid, like five eleven, six foot. And they're just like, nah, yeah. nah, we don't even look up past your titties. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> just think about like coordinating the choreography there. So someone is slightly more forward. So they look a little bit taller and mm-hmm. equal to the dude on the other side. <laughs> yes i was just like oh my gosh when they're actually standing right next to each other it's ridiculous mm-hmm. so they have to account for it when they're dancing oh yes oh yeah. yes. i think my favorite one was um miss a i forgot what generation of k-pop that is i'm not that well versed somebody can figure it out I- i'm um, not sure and so like i was in love with like this like what the one of the members her name was min and she was like a jyp trainee for yeah. so long and but she love- was tiny she was the tiniest one out of all of them She's the Chinese one, right? From no, no, no. no. The, she was like or... the Korean one. No. There's like GFA. They were the Chinese one. And then there was Suzy and Min. And they were the Korean Oh, okay, ones. okay. I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the thing was like, Min was the tiniest one. Like she was like tiny. I forget how tall she actually is. But she is like at a deficit of like at least four inches compared to everybody. <laughs> deficit? <laughs> Full <laughs> deficit. 
And so they were like, well, it looks good if everybody's roughly the same height in every choreography, right? Right. In every choreo, she's the one who is mandatorily either wearing heels in some way, shape, or form. And it's like a four-inch heel minimum. So that she looks like she's everybody's same height. Like, go look at the bad girl, good girl. I'm looking at pictures, man. They really do look like they're the same height. She's always wearing heels and everything. Like, Susie's wearing, like, a kitten heel of all of, like, an inch and a half. And then you got men that's like, (laughs) I guess I got to step it up. (laughs) Like, like if you want to be tall, be tall. But this ain't fun for me. Oh, my gosh. And they dance so well, too. Oh, Shit. They were they were the ones for me. Like, I'm looking at this whole thing. I'm like, from Bad Girl, Good Girl era, everybody is legitimately wearing sneakers, except men. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I know that pain of trying to look uniform. Because in a, oh, my gosh. So, ROTC, right? I did that for, like, four, four years of my life. Well, JROTC, so right. high school. The way we trick everyone to look like we're all uniform and because that's like a huge thing, right? So mm-hmm. even if you have like that visual um, trick of making everyone look uniform, it's good enough just because right. that's what they're grading us on. Um, so what we would do for that is um, or what everyone does is the person who leads, I guess, or, or is like the the first marker is always the shortest one. And then it goes like taller out from like it kind of like a square or whatever and um in order to make sure we were as like closely proportioned to each other as possible yeah we would uh you know my best friend right mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gonna shout out to dar here sorry for calling you out on this but <laughs> man there was this one year where uh so she's pretty short right like next to me but the girls next to her were a lot bustier mm-hmm. so she had to wear like four bras and we had to stuff her like crazy to make sure her uniform <laughs> she's not even that small but right. like oh well, like it, it's so funny because we're against so many schools um that are like especially our rival school was um all asians right and uh-huh. they're all similarly proportioned but our platoon was just like all different races all different shapes and sizes mm-hmm. so we're all trying to look as close as we can to each other and that was just that was the time <laughs> The smoke and mirrors, the fantasy, the illusions. Yep. I mean, I had weave at the time. It took like an hour to put on. Oh my gosh. Everyone hated me because my hair was too short to put on the, the, the bun that everyone had on. Oh, yes. I know that bun. I know that yep. bun. The sock bun. Yep. <laughs> and then they had to put weave on me all the time. And I was like, all right, all right I'll grow my hair out. <laughs> That is so funny. I would have never thought that, like, the whole fantasy of the smoke and mirrors was, like, even in, like, JROTC. Like, like I knew, yes, you yeah, had that, like, a uniform a look and, like, all of that. But, like, I didn't think it stretched that far. Yeah. And I think it's because, you know, we're cheerleaders or, you know, like, kind of performance club sort of thing. Yeah. If you think about it. Because we're just high schoolers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, And that's all that whole, like, drill thing is. I mean, obviously, we learn a lot of stuff. Uh, that's specific to the military but when we have to compete and perform mm-hmm. i don't know it's like really similar to dance groups and stuff like that like it's the yes. same feeling oh yes i mean i wish i knew that feeling i think the the closest thing that like i could like mirror that to honestly is just like my experience doing crew which is just like olympic rowing for like high school students and now college oh and- my gosh you did crew yeah i did crew so like best kind of like three-year adventure of my life it was like my first like high school sport but like the fun thing about crew is that the taller you are the better it is for that sport and so it's very weird because you can't fake height on a boat like you have to legitimately like get a boat like your best men pray that they're all the same height like more or less (laughs) so that like the stroke and everything is like the same and not one person has like overcompensate by going slower or faster And so, like, you would see, like, boats of, like, four people and eight people, like, when they, like, pick up the boat, all the same height, like, from the best schools. Because there was, like, this um, big rowing event. I forget what it's called. I think it's, like, Stuyvesant or I don't know. Whatever. I left that life a long time (laughs) ago. But it's in Pennsylvania. And it takes place by the river near, like, the Rocky Steps and all that fun stuff. And so we had our school which like you said like our school is just as diverse like we had every ethnicity on one eight-man boat like doing the most (laughs) and my favorite was like this one kid y1 so y1 
he was like this all of five three Filipino kid, but like <laughs> this man had the oh, man. thickest calves. Like this man, like outside of the outside of the boat, this man had hops. And so oh, th- there's two things that drive a boat. It is like leg power and like your height because it's like the longer a stroke is, the more power you can generate. But also if you have leg strength and you can jump off that board and push that boat like a whole like 10 meters by yourself, you're yeah. in the boat. So it, it was always very funny watching like when Y1 because he was so like he was too strong. You had to just ignore the height discrepancy because you're just like, forget oh it. Oh my gosh. He's too good. <laughs> and so you would watch like, when the, a four like his four man like boat like picks up the boat and like host holds it over their head oh my god and it's like and then <laughs> he is like down here like i got it guys and he's like jumping up and i'm just like this is clownery at its finest but also they won almost like every race that he was in even though he couldn't carry the boat all the way down <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's amazing. I feel his pain though, because in ROTC, you have to take 30 inch steps. Yeah. You know how short I am. Yes. <laughs> so I had to fly. I, oh my gosh. <laughs> Everyone else was calmly walking. You were like putting in the work. <laughs> yup. Yeah. Oh gosh. Oh, fun fact I uh, also d- did dragon boat racing in um did in middle school really? so when you're talking about the leg strength i was like oh man i forgot about that part of my life where we had to like row and paddle in between classes in middle school in to between train between classes <laughs> yeah okay wait wait let me let me go back a little bit so my middle school was really weird it was like a program uh-huh so there was like 15 students in each grade Mm-hmm. But they would also separate you by the like groups, I guess, where okay. it's five students per grade is in one group. So you would take classes with kids who are older and younger than you. Okay. And all of us like knew each other. So we only had three facilitators, quote unquote. And one of them, we were so convinced he was senile. If he somehow ever chances upon this, I am so sorry, but he hung fish on the wall oh, and we were so, so confused. <laughs> He started hammering fish, gigantic six-foot fish, on our perfectly pristine white wall. And we're like, (laughs) excuse me? And he, he like, competed for um, the elderly Olympics for dragon boat racing. And he decided that a bunch of middle school students that he teaches should also do the same thing. Work. (laughs) So... So we had to train for I don't know why. And then we had to sign up for like 15 minute sessions where we would get excused from class just to get our rowing and paddling done. Why? <laughs> yeah, I don't. Now that I'm like recalling everything, it was such a weird experience. And we never actually, like, we only competed once. And it was with in Chinatown with high schoolers. And like adults, and we're just like a bunch of middle school kids running around. They gave us like this energy drink called like liquid cocaine or something. Oh, I'd love to see it. No, it was liquid coke. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we're all bouncing off the freaking walls, man. We're so annoying. And thankfully, they're all machines. Yeah. But yo, we we did pretty well. That. I, I can't believe that happened in my life. Oh, listen, we did the same thing in crew. I don't know what it is because we're like, we can't take steroids, but we want to get the best numbers on like the rowing machine. So it was yeah. it was annoying. So we would do these like, I think it's we did it like bi-weekly assessments of strength and they were like called like the 2K rows. And so like a normal race is roughly about like 2000 meters. And so we would go on the machines and then you would row literally as hard as you can for like 2000 meters on the rowing machine. Oh my and, gosh. Like, full on out. Like for a guy, if you get under like 7:30, like 7 minutes and 30 seconds, it's okay. It's not the best. It's okay. Like under 8 minutes, you're just like, uh, you might not make the boat like at all whatsoever. And then if you're under oh like 7 gosh. sub 7, you were like, okay, we could put you on a boat. You look like you're working. But like <laughs> to get the best numbers, everybody's like, yo, we need to hype up. And so like one kid was just like, yo, what if we like just smash the we would buy five hour energies, like the little like the yeah. containers. 
take that shot, like settle it like maybe 20 minutes before we had to hit the machine on our time and then just hit that machine. But like <laughs> your heart is racing because you're like prepped for it and you're just like, yeah, 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 let's go, let's go. And then like they do it. And almost every time everybody like vomited on the side of the <laughs> machine. Oh my God, for how many bottles would you? Oh, wait, no, it's, actually, it's only I guess one like just bottle. getting, yeah, yeah, just like overexerting yourself so quickly too. Oh my god, because it's so exhausting. <laughs> because you have to imagine you're on the machine, you're like hyped up, and then you also have a squad of people huddled around your machine, all screaming at you at the same yeah. time, <laughs> and Yo, you don't get a break until the... you finish, like at all. I sound so hyped, though, I guess. It was so wild. We were so <laughs> annoying. Like, the other schools, because we shared the boathouse with two other schools at the time, and they were just, like... But it was, like, everybody had different 2K days, so it was, like, every school would, like, be annoying on their own day. But they were, yeah. like, y'all, yo, y'all kids are wild. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I, I was actually thinking about that. Like, I think it's pretty amazing that a school in New Jersey had, like, a crew team. I feel like... Mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to well i guess if you have machines for the most part yeah so it's like pretty much we were i forget what river i'm by like my school is by passaic river is that the passaic river i'm, I'm not sure it's the passaic i'm river. bad at geography yo i really don't be knowing anything sometimes and <laughs> that's okay i've made my peace with it but... Wait, but did you compete on the river or like on machines oh it is the passaic river work so um <laughs> so what we would do is um the way that it would work was on the machines, we would gauge who would be the best on water. So like anybody could join the crew team. And so you would just row and then you get like your assessment. And then whoever mm-hmm. was the best of the best would be put on boats. But if you join oh, the team, got it. like you would always have a chance to be on water. But the better you were, the more chance you had to be on water. Because okay. um, the way that it would work was that the people who were on water would be actually going to races more often than not. And so those races could be, you know, these little like hometown groups, whether it's like a bunch of schools that also use the Passaic River and we all meet up and it's all coordinated or we go to oh, like, so cool. this huge ass race all the way in Pennsylvania where we wake up at like the butt crack of dawn to go all the way down <laughs> to Pennsylvania to race that same day and then come right back and like all that fun stuff. So it was insane. I lost that so is <laughs> so cool. I mean, when, when we were in middle school, um, they thought since, you know, we tried so hard and we only did it for one year. Mm-hmm. He got us onto a boat on like a lake just yeah. to try it out. Uh, we kept going in circles. Uh-huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, yes. Yep. I mean, it was fun, though. <laughs> oh, yes. But oh, let man. me tell you, the sensation of being on land and being on water are two different things. They are. Yeah, absolutely. There's too many factors. It's like, one, you're like, oh, I, I've been on the machine. I know what's up. And then you go on the water and you're like, I got to deal with buoyancy and balance. <laughs> That's not fun anymore. <laughs> yeah. And what you were talking about, how like everyone has to be equal and like strength and all of that mm-hmm. stuff. Obviously, we all weren't. There's like <laughs> a bunch of random middle school students. The boat was like wiggling, going in circles. Mm-hmm. Uh, Some kids getting tired so they don't even touch anything. <laughs> Hell yeah, baby. I was that bad. I was so bad. <laughs> oh my gosh there's so many fun things but uh we will see those fun things in a bit because cole we have to take a break Okay, I honestly don't remember what we talked about in the first half because we just ended up hanging out. But oh, man. <laughs> what's lovely is that you kind of teased us um, in the first half about how like your first experience was Yaoi Con, especially like in college. And so I just wanted to like deep dive a little bit. Like, how was that first con experience like for you? Oh, I can give you some highlights that uh, are very stark in my memory. Okay. So. Uh... <laughs> Uh, prior to that whole uh, diving behind a garbage can, I had to, you know, sign in and all that stuff, right? Yeah. So I'm waiting in line and it's like the people that I would expect to see in line. Uh, however, uh, in front of me was a very large man who looked like a cowboy with the most dapper suit on. Uh, very, very old white man, right? Mm-hmm. So I was like, does he know what this line is for? <laughs> 
<laughs> I was trying to get my ticket or like my uh my con badge. Yeah. And I'm like, he has to know, right? He he literally looked like the KFC guy, but like bigger. I love that. And he, he was like six foot five and he was old, like <laughs> white hair old. He looked like he owned like an oil franchise. Doug Dimadone. Oh my god, he looked like Doug Dimadone. <laughs> but like six foot five. <laughs> So um, yeah, he even he even had the cowboy hat on and like the man, I forgot what you call it, that tie that cowboys wear. Oh, the boleros? Yes, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, and he was in front of me. I was like, I wonder if he knows what this is for. But then later on, I'm in the artist alley and he has a bag full of stuff and he's by himself. And I was like, this man absolutely knows <laughs> what he's here for. He does not waste no time. I love to see it. It was the most interesting thing. I was like, huh, you do you, man. Awesome. And then we didn't really cosplay. We sat in on a few of the panels. Panels. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's okay. um, yeah, we sat on in a few of those. But the wildest thing that probably happened was the auction. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Which I have not seen anywhere else. And uh, I can understand why. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was both very interesting and very uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, yes. um, yeah, I don't know if that if that's something that still happens, but I feel like it would not fly with like how the community is nowadays. I mean, so I think it's just because like so like there's always like certain conventions that are very like, for example, very niche in what like they offer to the community that makes it such like. Uh, haven for that specific type of content so like for example whenever right. i think of like dragon con like this mass like occupation of downtown atlanta just becoming like a drinking watering hole and it's okay <laughs> to be like shoulder to shoulder with everybody it's like that's always gonna happen at dragon con you then you have something like magfest where it's like gaming is always gonna be 24 7 nobody sleeps like yeah. that's what's actively encouraged and then yeah. you have yaoi con which is just like this whole celebration of just yaoi in all aspects and because of the nature of yaoi it's always going to be sort of like um an mlm performance for the female gaze in a True. sense and so yeah. like the auction for example if you guys don't know this infamous auction that always happens at like yaoi con <laughs> it's like pretty much volunteers they're normally almost always cosplayers yeah always always cosplayers at least from what i know right and then they fully auction themselves off like whether they're fully on putting in shows they're stripping and then like for example mm -hmm. for guests you get like some form of interaction with the guests whether it's like dinner or lunch and it's like all the proceeds like go to like a great cause but it's like this is fully what happens like you can like auction off like a whole lap dance from your favorite like makoto cosplayer <laughs> that yeah. you see on stage well I guess I guess that makes a lot more sense, yeah. like to to limit it like that. But when I went, and it was a long time ago, right? Yeah, it it was so obscure. It was like yeah. you have them for the night. That was that was it. And then the last person, obviously, who they auctioned off was Reka, and hers was very specific. Hers was you get to have breakfast with her in the morning. Yeah, and I think there was like a group of like four girls who put in mad money just to do it. I was like, yes. If only I could. <laughs> yes, it is so wild. But I mean, sadly, like Yaoi Khan in and of itself, I think is not happening anymore. I think it like the last one was like 2017. And then that was it. Uh, that was the yeah, I, I have Yaoi no Khan. idea. I Like I said before, I was there for, for Reiko. And then I was like, oh, this is an experience. <laughs> Girl, this, this con had like the biggest notoriety like because it it was so like because it was like i guess it back in the day yaoi wasn't as highly publicized in like an aspect as it is now like for example when i think of back in the day you had fan fiction yes but you didn't have like let's say ao3 being like a common acronym that like you say to anybody and everybody in the community knows about it off the top of their heads oh. and then you have something like yeah. my reading manga just being like common like <laughs> wordature like you tell me my reading manga and like i ask somebody's like what section are you in there for and then they'll be like they'll tell me and i'm like okay but like that's how much i know about it and I'm yeah, like, yeah i don't i don't participate in it but like i know of it fully and so i think what happened for yaoi con was that 
that sort of yaoi became so mainstream in and of itself along with the ride that anime happened and conventions happened that it almost didn't make sense to have it have its own separate very niche event if people were experiencing left and right at every other convention no matter what right okay that makes a lot of sense i guess it was a a fun first con though (laughs) oh and well we didn't really we went to the the dance the rave whatever Mm -hmm. yeah i couldn't stay in there for more than like 10 minutes um. <laughs> Brave, they're not worth it when the moment you realize it's not for you it is not for nobody yeah. <laughs> i thought it was gonna be uh, more lit but uh no. <laughs> you've learned very fast not what i'm used to <laughs> especially at the time i was pretty close to being a normie in college yeah. so when i walked in on that i was uh, a little shocked oh, but yes. um <laughs> um i did have another really great moment that i remember i don't know if you know lenith the yes. cosplayer yes. yes um so she was just i i didn't recognize her at first mm-hmm. um i just saw the most attractive makoto firefighter i didn't even watch that series by right. the way free i watched two episodes but i still love that was it that was it oh and i watched the fantastic <laughs> baby ending <just laughs> yeah um but man i was like if i'm gonna like one of these definitely that one and i see the most like beautiful makoto fireman standing by the exit with her dog yes i was just like excuse me can i take a photo with you and then she did that thing where she's just like you can come here sure it's fine and i was like oh she's so nice i'm gonna die and then afterwards i found out it was lenith and i was like Yes, one of the one of the great definitely shapeshifters in cosplay i met them this year at this past katsukon so i was like oh wow yeah so like i've known about them online for the longest time but like never had like an interaction person because i'm an in-person type bitch yeah i i can make friends online don't get me wrong i'm not like against it but like there's something about an in-person interaction that like i love to death so I had no, absolutely. the moment to like sit down, chat with her. It was like very brief, very cute. Oh, wow. Awesome. And then like said bye to her Sunday morning, like as she was like leaving too. Super sweet person. Like if you ever get the chance, like see them cosplay. It is yeah, super tall too. Yes. Yes. <laughs> She's tall. She got some height yeah. on her. and We'd love to see it. We'd love to I'm see surprised it. she went to Katsu. Uh, as far as I know, she always go back and forth between Singapore and LA. Yes. So that's awesome. Yeah, I think this Katsu was their first one and they weren't oh. they weren't cosplaying as actively because I met them mm-hmm. a lot out of cosplay and they were like, oh, I'm just like observing the scene. Like, it's like very interesting to see like what Katsu uh, is. I was like, that's nice. Like, yeah. that's how you should do it. And then like figure it out for you. It's true. But you know what I'm very interested in is so you go to Yahweh Khan as your first official convention, which is yeah. like insane in and of itself. And I forget <laughs> when like Yahweh Khan even happens. It's usually like what the fall, I wanna say. It was it was like around summertime when I went. Like spring summer. Okay. And so I wanna say. So let's say you do Yahweh Khan and then so I I mean I, I when I was doing my research, obviously like it's said in my <laughs> intro, like it was part you were part of a duo like okashi cosplay and so how did this haikyuu cafe come about because to hear that within like a year of you attending your first official convention right i went hard and then like all of a sudden it's like we're gonna host a cafe in the middle of san francisco and i'm like how does two and two add up to four because that that's like four thousand right now (laughs) yeah i am so when i get into something i like really get into it and then i stop (laughs) so uh, (laughs) um that's my problem that's why i'm like surrounded by art supplies that get used hardcore for like a week straight and Mm. then i forget about it for another month but um that's pretty much what cosplay was like because uh at the time i was obviously like a bunch of people really into haikyuu i don't even think it had an anime yet or it just started but the the following was huge yes this was what two 2015 i want to say so yes ish yeah yeah i don't remember but um yeah i think it's 2015 where uh, you know we did those casual cosplays and stuff like that and um my personal dream is like one day i just want to own a cafe right so like it's something i think about a lot what got me really interested though in hosting something was 
um, the friend that I did this with, she showed me so much about the community that I, I mean, I always liked anime, but I mean, I keep saying weeb as well, but mm-hmm. the term, you know, I'm sorry if it offends anyone. I, I just mean it as like someone who likes anime. So I'll just Girl, say that on this podcast all the time. <laughs> All right. no, but you know what I mean? Yes. Because it's always like a toss-up. Yeah. Um, I feel like weebs could call each other weebs, but yes. <laughs> but it's she showed me a lot more of the community that I really just didn't know about because all I did was watch anime before that. And people are amazing, man. Yeah. Like it was my first glimpse into seeing what they put all of their time and effort into. Mm-hmm. So I would see the um the music videos, mm-hmm. the performances. Um, like the graphics, like, oh my gosh, I remember she was showing me this one person. I'm so sorry, I forgot this creator's name, but I was just so amazed that their anime music videos looked like better endings and openings than the actual animes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and I was just so impressed. I was like, huh, what if we just get a bunch of people to host a cafe together and have a cute time? And that's pretty much it. And I'm really good at organizing things. You so. absolutely are, because I was like, because I was like, first of all, it's like, oh, all of a sudden, this newcomer comes into the scene, goes to Oh, yeah, no one knows me. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you have a full studded cast for the yeah. San Francisco Cafe. And I was like looking at the photos and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, I was like, like, it was yeah. good for like the first iterance, like from what I saw from photos. No, yeah. I was really happy with uh, how it went, especially since like neither of us really knew what we were doing at all. Right. <laughs> and oh my gosh, one huge thing was we made all of the food. Mm-hmm. But yeah, never again. So... <laughs> I mean, we, we did it once, but that was because we had dedicated bakers for the Sailor Moon Cafe. Right. And that turned out amazing. So I was really grateful for that. But yeah, it was just it was just crazy because I, I just wanted to do it. It was like I knew I was leaving SF after that summer. So it was like a yeah, let's do something. Try it out. Um, I did a lot of I mean, I love researching into stuff and found a Japanese cafe in Japantown that we frequented already so she was just like it was like owned by this old japanese lady and she's just like yeah sure okay (laughs) and we had to figure out pricing because she was just like uh so what we ended up doing and and for anyone watching who wants to do something similar um find out what days they're closed Mm -hmm. and so we did it on i I believe it was like sunday morning when they're usually not open and it's just free income right. for them, which was the same as Hanamizuki, the one that we hosted a lot of cafes in New York. Mm-hmm. Like I know a lot of people were trying to host them, too, because it was a huge thing in Korea at the time. Right. I don't know if it still is now, but having cute cafes where they act out as the characters. Um, so a lot of inspiration was from that. And um, yeah, I'm always willing to answer questions. The thing is, it's really hard to get into contact with me oh fully that's why this podcast exists (laughs) really difficult sorry but um i i can't even maybe the cost cafe nyc at gmail is the easiest honestly uh but yeah i'm always willing to answer questions on how we did it i i feel like there's this feeling that we're trying to be exclusive in how we do things and it's really not the case Mm -hmm. i think anyone who wants to do that should absolutely go for it but you also need to be really realistic because any shortcomings or whatever are just cutbacks that you need to make in order to make this thing happen without spending like a bunch of your own money i think that's what really comes in well between taff and i is oh yeah we we started doing it together because she contacted me through the kashi cosplay thingy with a a bunch of questions because she wanted to host one in new york And then I was like, oh, I'm coming back at that time. I can help you guys out. So the first one here was like all TAF. And then I helped out where I could. Then the holiday one was the one where I was like, oh, I'm in this. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're always willing to let people know how we do things. It's definitely like we don't have a right way. We always try to fix things. But um, for the most part, what we focus on is um, getting exposure to a lot of people because, you know, this exposes um, artists who volunteer. Everyone's a volunteer. 
And then anyone who thinks we make money out of it, we don't. I always spend way more money because it's a passion project. Mm. And anything that we might have made over budget. So a lot of times any money that Taff and I spend, we don't count in the budget. It goes to the next cafe. So yeah, obviously probably not going to have one for a long time. She's still in Japan. But yeah, if anyone has any questions, would super love to see something like that happen again. Sans COVID. Once COVID's over, we are we'll be back in the business. We'll figure this out. We'll play it every yeah. But like I, I find it so funny because like when I was thinking about I guess things that happen in New York, because I think for the longest time there have been iterances within New York where people have been wanting to do something like Cost Cafe NYC, but it wasn't so wildly successful. So for example, there was like the maid cafe that existed in Chinatown um, is probably like oh, yeah, one of the first few things that was kind of adjacent to like a cost cafe. And that had its like nice, cute little run, but I don't, the American market isn't necessarily ready for something that is going to be in constant operations, like a maid cafe. So it does yeah, have to be something yeah. as like niche boutique. It's open for like a few days. And so it's when mm-hmm. I remember I didn't even know about cost cafe nyc had it not been for marshall because they were the staff for the first one in nyc yeah the one in summer yeah. and i came in solely to assist them with makeup and then all of a sudden i don't like i'm just a person who barbecue <laughs> and i immediately like i remember i was like okay i'm gonna do your makeup and like while I'm letting some products sit, I was like, okay, do you guys need help setting up? Because I do want this to be successful if like they're yeah. happy to be part of this. So like all of a sudden, like I was, I remember I finished doing Marshall's makeup and then I turned around. I'm assisting everybody and like before you guys open, like we need to get this up and running. Oh, bless you. Yeah. Like <laughs> posting up things, talking to the staff, easing some nerves. Yes. Like, do you guys need me to go to outside while you like coordinate things here? Be like, <laughs> we'll be open in like 10 minutes. Meanwhile, I am not even going to be in this. And so like, I remember like fully, like once I like helped out Marshall, helped you guys, I like booked it. And then like, I came back once like everything was done. And then you guys like invited me to like the after dinner. I was like, oh, this is nice this is cute and that's how we became fast friends and then i became staff for like the second one but i think my favorite part about cost cafe nyc was like it was always supposed to be the super niche thing and then sailor moon cafe happened oh my gosh yeah that's on my resume i got so many impressions from that 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 is the most insane thing i've ever seen happen because it's like i can easily imagine from you guys you're like okay like we want to like bring nostalgia like oh we have like a lot of people that love sailor moon there was like the reboot of the anime coming you're like yeah yeah, exactly like have a cafe about it and i don't know if it was timing or how the internet works we went from a very niche like weeb con community cosplay centric event to something that is being covered by vogue of all places wait what wasn't it covered by vogue i'm almost i have no idea i i like okay we planned that whole thing in one month and i was in the philippines the entire time Mm -hmm. i was like not paying attention (laughs) to anything except trying to tell people that this is not official. Like that that's the hardest part, right? Because a lot of people either uh, come up to me telling me you need to make this a permanent thing or you need to make money out of this or something like that. Like even uh, you know, people who aren't into anime who are just like hey, you can make a business out of this. I was like, "No, no, no, no. This is like a themed party." <laughs> yes. For for people passionate about the same thing, right? Cuz we don't want people who go there expecting the best acting you want people to go there with an active imagination have fun appreciate the hard work that people are you know putting in for free Mm -hmm. um to a degree because they're not getting paid no one's getting paid all the money goes for food and decorations and like atmosphere right so yeah i sailor moon cafe was was great i loved it um i think we had such an amazing outcome with like how it just all the small things that were put into play there because uh like i said before um the the first haiku cafe in new york was mostly taff but then when i was like i guess officially on the team sort of thing for the holiday one we we got to try out a lot of my ideas there Uh and then obviously taffs as well but like 
Sailor Moon was right after that. So we got to hone in on, on what we actually wanted and, and right. what we could cut and we, what we could keep. Um, plus, it was in Hanamizuki. So it was like so much more accessible for everyone. That was our first cafe there. But what actually happened was great. But beforehand was such a mess. I don't know if you saw the Facebook page, but we were getting so much angry messages from so many people about it. If you were going to have this, then you should have planned it for multiple days. I can't believe this. It's so limited. You're a huge franchise. I was like, excuse me? No, Bro. we're two people just trying to have fun. <laughs> people on the internet love to talk. They keyboard warriors, baby. They love to just <laughs> yeah. clack away on that mechanical keyboard. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't blame them because a lot of people are probably like, oh, Sailor Moon, a cafe. It's a pop-up. And they think it's official. Right. But No not at all that is valid because the way that this was being covered it's like one this like i fact checked myself just now and yes it was fully covered by vogue it was covered by eater new york it was covered by metro us what yes it was on like huge publications (laughs) why am i only hearing about this now what and so like that's why it blew up and i remember when i saw like Because I remember, like, you know, you guys host niche events. So, like, I'm expecting, like, a small few, like, maybe 100 people interested. And then you open up your bookings, like, for the time slots. And it's totally fine. But, like, this had, like, thousands of people. I think they were, like, from what I remember from, like, my brain, 6,000 people or something like that were, like, interested in this event or something crazy like that. And it was just, like, we didn't expect this. And I remember because... You know, we had, like, the old cafe chat, like, and we were, like, I remember asking you guys, like, do you guys need security for this one? Like, even if it's just, like, me and Jenny, like, just standing by the door (laughs) and being, like, regulating traffic just to aid. And you guys were, like, yes, that actually be greatly appreciated just in case because we don't know how this is going to happen. And I vividly remember the day that the cafe happened. Everything was going smooth. We had people lined up. I actually saw people that I knew online, and I was like, "You don't even go to cons. Why are you here?" It's like really about it on Facebook, and I was like, "Okay, go off." Um, So glad. But like, I fully will never forget that there was like one reporter that was like, "Hi, is this like the Sailor Moon Cafe?" And I was like, and I I was at the door at the time, luckily, so I was like, "Uh, yes, it is." Like, well, we were you know hoping to do some press releases, and I remember you told me beforehand was like, "We we're not that serious. We don't need this right now. We're more focused on just having this event and like being sure it's curated for the fans." And so like I remember trying to like actively just be like, "Sir, you know, like it's just a fan run event. It's not that serious. Nobody makes money here. Like we're good." Bless you. But (laughs) he was so I will never forget. He was so adamant about like being like, "Can I talk to the like co-founders? Like the co-founders are inside, making sure things are like ready to go in literally ten minutes." He's like, "But please, please, please." And I was like, "All right." let me go to the back just like everybody else let me go check what we have in stock and i literally stood inside the store for like two minutes and i was just like man they're busy (laughs) oh my gosh you're the best but but like it was it was so insane because no other cafe was like that except just sailor moon yeah absolutely and it's because all the other ones were like popular within this like the anime scene but not like even my friends who aren't really into anime Mm-hmm. went because it's, it's nostalgia they love sailor moon they grew up with it and they're like you know right it, it's different so thank you so much yeah. oh my gosh yeah. we don't deserve you guys y'all so great yes you do because i think my favorite thing is the community always wants to uplift the community in ways we always want to see each other succeed so it's like if it's something as simple as a very niche cafe and it gets blown up sure but we're gonna do our best and damnedest to make sure that baby is smooth sailing as much as we can just this like the support from everyone was so amazing and uh, you know just to put this out there even though nobody asked i know you see a lot of our staff repeating right and even the staff like i mean you guys don't know this but we have rejected people in the past who were past staff it's not a sure like thing just because you've done it before we try to be as unbiased as possible in terms of like the acting and the the audition just means so much you guys don't even know because even if we know how someone acts in real life if they have an insane audition we know that they can like come out with the lines that will be great for um for entertainment because they're already writing their script there you know but we are still close with people who have gotten rejected from that place so i think it's just so great because i don't think i've ever come across any toxicity at all when 
putting the cafe together, whether it's like past staff or like trying to rally the artists together or bakers or anything like that. Everyone's been just like so gung ho about everything and so understanding. And the only toxicity just came from me because <laughs> I had to make sure everyone was on top. You're like, I got to be the sternest one. Everybody get your fucking shit together. Like, that's why we loved you. Because I loved you. Because I was like, yo, we are not going to get anywhere if nobody screams in this house. Like, you're like, I'll do it. And I'm like, there's call. There we go. We're back on track, baby. <laughs> that's that's just like, I, it's just so weird to me. Because in all my other friend groups, I'm usually like the dumbass, right? Yeah. But then in those situations, I have to be like bad cop. And then Taft's like good cop. He's yeah. always like, oh, no, it's okay. Like, we got this, guys. And I'm just like, we better get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like yesterday. Oh, absolutely. But like, I always say like, because I remember doing my audition tape for like Asahi. I was like, you have to come 100% like you would act towards the guests. You can't do a half ass yeah. audition tape and expect to get in. Like, you yeah. really, like, come prepared, study your character, like, know how, like, things. And if the extra icing on top will be the body language. Also, yeah. puns are yeah. very funny because my, oh my favorite gosh. one is Nico's audition tape where she didn't know until after the fact that tossing the salad was a euphemism oh for something God. else. But she was <laughs> running with this joke throughout her entire audition tape. And I was like, so Nico, you know that that means like butt stuff, right? And she's like, I didn't know! <laughs> I was just like, girl, this is a lot. Oh, <laughs> but that's, that's the thing. Like we, oh man, Nico, that specific, Nico's Kageyama, one of like, if not my favorite audition mm-hmm. that I've ever watched. It's just so good. Um, if only we could just like share it to the world. It's so hilarious. It's but so um, <laughs> uh, it, the thing is with uh, with auditions too, we care a lot less about how like quote unquote good your cosplay mm-hmm. is and a lot more about you embodying the character. Like if you think about it, Mark wore nothing except like Girl. a regular <laughs> I was just about to say that. I was about to say we had cosplayers <laughs> that looked just like the characters, like pound for pound. People looked great. But when I tell you out of the entire cafe, what people really wanted was our good old brown skin Tanaka, who you uh, know, yeah. in canon is not brown. <laughs> and we had Dan as Nishinoya, who fully used his real hair. There's no wig on that man. There's no lace front. <laughs> it is fully his hair. And the reason why every guest was so entranced by these duos, like these two men, because pound for pound, they were the character. Purely. Absolutely. It was insane watching them work because i was like even me as staff working as asahi who was like probably one of the most quietest characters and timid out of like the entire cast which was so interesting by the way (laughs) so wild i i love to turn it on when i can but like (laughs) i remember watching them and every table would be like i don't care who's at my table at rotation we gotta look at tanaka and ishinoyo right now screaming down the hallway (laughs) so much attention from those two oh my gosh they and it's so crazy because there's so much like bastardization that comes through when you yeah. translate English or, or Japanese into English, but yeah. somehow they got the same energy, so the same puns, the same goofiness. Like it, it all translated perfectly with those two, and they were so in sync and barely knew each other. It was stupid. I was about to say like they never met each other beforehand. They what? just showed up both ready to go. Both of them, mind you, no lick of makeup. <laughs> There's Neither no lick of makeup Nothing. on either of them. I'll, literally, it is Dan with his regular hair and Mark with a freshly shaved head showing they up to work. Up. <laughs> and everybody else is like contouring in the back. Like it is yeah. <laughs> wild to make oh sure. Oh my gosh, with lace fronts or with like like trying to, to get into character. Because like, oh my gosh, you guys yeah. don't even know. Holiday with Joe and Asahi <laughs> and Jenny as Yachi. The <laughs> most opposite of their characters. <laughs> and then they had to be so timid it was hilarious they were like stuck in the shell (laughs) it was so wild it was so wild because then i would like look over at like dan and like (laughs) and mark and just be god i wish i could scream like them (laughs) and just like stare my next test like here's your cake (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh absolutely and we were blessed with like the best kyoko i've ever seen in my entire life Shout out to Cheryl, who is literally just Kyoko in real life as well. I I love that girl to death. She really killed Me the part. Too. She really did that. And how they would, like, 
obsess over her, but in the most appropriate ways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, they played the character to a T, and then Cheryl just in pure perfect yoga fashion would turn them down appropriately. Yep. It was just it was like watching magic happen between three people because also Cheryl's role in the entire cafe, like she didn't wait on table, so she had the least interaction with guests outside of like passing out tea, coffee, water right. as needed. And so it's like pure perfect character, like her energy match and like the way she interacted with every staff as she passed by and helped out a table was just like so 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 good. And it was perfect because uh she doesn't speak that much, right? So when we told Cheryl that um because she's helping us do a lot more of the like the I guess managerial stuff. She's free to go wherever she wanted. So if she saw an opportunity, there you go. Oh yes, she could pick and choose. Yeah, and we love to see it. And she sure picks and choose. And uh, sorry, just a quick shout out again to Darlene for a holiday haiku cafe yes! uh, when um uh the buns were on fire. <laughs> we almost burned down a church. I forget if we talked about this on the podcast, but that really happened. Samson Syngate over here staring <laughs> at the fire. <laughs> I will never forget that. And Darlene had to grab the, I think it was foil or something yes. that caught fire because we had to keep the, the, the Nikuman warm and we used like the, um, the actual fire things underneath the foil <laughs> pants and she she's just like, what are you guys doing? And grabbed it and started stepping on it. It was insane. It all happened so fast because it was like, yeah, so it was like the paper on the Nikuman, like we were like unwrapping one, I think, just to taste it and be like, is it good? Is it warm enough? And the paper mm-hmm. fell into the fire and then <laughs> Sam is just staring at it. And then there's also like four of us in this little like paper divider separating like the guest seating area like because the guests are fully seated and like waiting for the rotations because we're all like hyping ourselves up and we're all just staring at this fire be like oh shit. you were one of the people staring i i was like i was joining sam in that first five seconds and then i was like wait we have to do something about this <laughs> so so like yeah, he was the one who told me about it yeah so like we like every because everybody's first reaction is like oh shit a fire's happening like because <laughs> church by the way in a church so we're all watching we watch this paper go into the fire it's like oh shit it's on fire and then darlene just looked around it's like we have to put it out and i'm like oh right shit we do have to put it out and so like we're like and me and darlene are just like figuring shit out like putting things out i think cheryl's in the back with us too there's like four different people i forget who exactly was but like we put it out so fast and then like i don't know no guess hears this and then like we like tell everybody after it's like yo we almost burned the church down and they're like what it's like we'll tell you about it later after this shift Dude, yeah, I I had no idea. I was just like trying to make sure all the guests were good, and then I hear about this fire afterwards. I was like, "Excuse me." <laughs> it's my favorite story, but uh, Cole, with all good stories, they must come to an end, just of like course. this podcast. Oh. <laughs> well, I had so much fun. Thank you for inviting me. Yes, it was good. I was like, I knew you were going to be the perfect guest. There should be no hesitations to anybody that I ask because I have you on for a reason. <laughs> yeah, I was so nervous, but um, just like catching up with Joe. <laughs> yes, that's all it is. And I mean, I know you don't use social media that much, but is there anything you'd like to promote? If you guys have any questions, costcafeNYC at gmail.com. No promises that I'll see it right away, but... I know Taff will. <laughs> oh, Taff will. She's all the way in Japan. That girl's on it. Don't you worry. Yeah, she's always on it. Mm-hmm. God bless. Anyways, guys, <laughs> remember, you can ask any questions for myself or my guests to answer on the podcast at CuriousCat.me slash PlayingDressUp. If you love this podcast, you can like it. You can rate it. You can subscribe so you never ever miss an episode you can even directly support this podcast on anchor.fm slash playing dress up via a small monthly donation you can give it a nice five stars on apple Podcasts, and even if you don't like it girl give it five stars and leave a nice little nasty comment and i'll read it on air we're gonna take constructive criticism to a whole new level and make this podcast even better anyways guys we'll see you next time goodbye